You're listening to another episode of the Zag Erker Soap here. It's been a while, but glad to be back. Excited to be joined by 2018 North Carolina fellow Seth Palmer is here. We're talking a little bit of politics today. He's going to give us a scoop on what's up in the South. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Now, Seth, we're recording this a couple days after the NLC application closed for the 2022 fellows. Do you remember how you heard about NLC in the first place? How'd you end up in the 2018 class? Oh, yeah. Hey, great to talk to you, Eric. Uh, I ended up in the 2018 class because I had known about NLC North Carolina for a long time, knew quite a few of the founders. But as far as the availability of my schedule, I was working previously in politics. I didn't have the, the flexibility to, to do anything really as, as meaningful and as long, long term as NLC until 18. So I've jumped right in. Loved it. I uh, still talk to a lot of my my folks from my, my fellows class, and now even get the opportunity to teach uh, other uh, NLC fellows from around the country uh, in communications, public speaking. So anybody who's listening, who who's jumping in in twenty twenty two, you may see my face <laughs> and or my Zoom uh, teaching uh, during that weekend. Sounds good. Listen, I know you wanted to come on and talk about politics, and in your part of the country definitely has some interesting political characters right now. What kind of things do you want folks to know about what's going on politically in North Carolina and maybe the South at large? Oh, characters is definitely the, <laughs> the right word for, for what goes on here in North Carolina. I mean, we're a battleground state. We're we're a purple state. We're we're all of the all manner of of descriptive words to, about how competitive it is here in North Carolina. Um, we certainly don't have some of the, the, the very extreme legislative uh, activities that you see in Georgia and Texas because we have a little bit tighter numbers in our state legislature and our governor has a veto power. He's Governor Roy Cooper's a Democrat, strong, strong advocate for, for Democratic policies. Um, makes things a little more intractable, but at the federal level, oh man, we see some of the the, the most outrageous individuals. Um, don't want to give my my friends in Georgia uh, <laughs> with with MTG uh, any kind of any kind of uh, break there, but Madison Cawthorn is is definitely one uh, legislator who has taken the the full on bait of of the big lie frankly, anything that, that former President Trump was saying and just ran with it. I mean, he, he is like the, the epitome of, of, the, of the far-right Trump, Trump advocates uh, in Congress and certainly just continues that, that mantle as he, he moves forward, even without uh, Trump in the White House. Yeah, I was going to ask. One thing that I'm curious about, you know, when there is somebody like, like Madison or MTG in Georgia, like there's such an outsized... Twitter influence they have or or echo chamber influence they have. Is there any actual kind of real on the ground constituent services that they do? Their constituents feel any of the benefits of having somebody representing them in the way you would typically expect a public servant to be like what actually happens in their home district? Sure. So for for Cawthorn's district, it is the farthest west point in the state of North Carolina. It is literally closer his district is literally closer to the capital in Georgia to, to Atlanta hmm. uh, than it is to the state capital of North Carolina in Raleigh. Um, it's it's that far away on the, the outstretch of the, the state. 
But I think the biggest thing that I've seen recently during the floods that happened in Western North Carolina uh, as a result of, I believe it was Tropical Storm at the time, Fred, a couple of weeks, uh, about a month ago or so, is that from what I heard from constituents in that district, they weren't hearing from from Representative Cawthorn. They weren't getting that that level of representation that they and that every all of us really expect from our member of Congress. You saw him pop up on Twitter. He was in, I think, California or, or someplace far away from his district at a gun range doing uh, a fundraiser. So that's that's not being there for your for your uh, constituents. That's being there for yourself, being there for your message. And I think that's what's extremely concerning from a practical level for for him. When we come back with us, we'll talk a little bit more about if there are consequences for elected officials making some of those choices and also what messages are landing in North Carolina right now. Thanks for tuning in. This episode of The Zag, we'll be right back. Yeah, so I was curious because, you know, in states like Georgia or Texas, the system is being rigged so that there are no consequences for politicians who do very little for their constituents or help in times of need or disaster. And I was curious if the same thing is, is true in North Carolina. So for the Madison case, is there any ultimate electoral consequence for him not doing the things you would hope someone would do in his position? I think there probably will be in some some respects. While his district is extremely far right, it's about as red, red of a district as you have in, in North Carolina, I do think there will be some conversation, at least, about the consequences for inaction. Um, these are folks who live out in that district who are generally uh, below the poverty line in many respects. They they are. It is a, a much more rural, agrarian mm-hmm. area, and they're going to get hurt a lot harder than than they might be if they were in a rural or in a more urban district, or even a more rural district that's closer to say the the population centers. So I think there will be will be some consequences and I think to to your original part of your question North Carolina has been really fortunate so far that while we're not by any means where we need to be on voting voting rights, voting access, um, anything uh, policy-wise to ensure that elections are held free and fair for everyone that we don't have the policies that we've seen out of Georgia or Texas that really are making outrageous restrictions on the rights of voters. That's that's due to the fact that Democrats did make gains in the North Carolina General Assembly last uh, election, that Governor Roy Cooper stayed in office, that Attorney General Josh Stein remains, uh, is, is took over uh, the, the Attorney General's office and has continued his advocacy for free and fair elections, but that's not without peril. I mean, we're we're all in in the South, especially with Republican legislatures. We're we're one bill away from from those type of of things. So we all have to stay on on our toes. Yeah, and the last thing I know, you work in communications and obviously plugged in politically. What messages do you feel like are landing with North Carolina North Carolinians these days? Is it related to the pandemic mostly? Is it about social safety net things, something else? What are you feeling like is firing up the most people as we swing into the midterms next year? I think the pandemic remains a, a key message. I think North Carolina has been, has made the, the strong attempt to, to keep the messaging focused strongly on health. 
and in economic recovery and trying to keep the most people safe as possible. We've been um, not by any means where we need to be on vaccination. So that message continues to, to be, be driven in, in various different fashions. But I mean, we're, we're seeing mass mandates come back. Um, I think there will be challenges to, to all of that from a messaging angle. And, and many politicians have done a good job keeping, keeping things uh, moving forward and trying to keep the, the conversation in a positive direction. I think we're still seeing some messaging from, from the more national mainstream Republican branding of things like uh, critical race theory and I don't have not so much seen anything out of the Texas uh, abortion legislation here. But I think when we go into the midterms next year, it's going to be a no, a no holds barred activity of an and influx of communications and content from so many different sources. We'll have a Senate race, a, a bunch of congressional, all our congressional races, all our legislative races, a lot of municipal races that got bumped back from the redistricting process that was delayed. I think this midterm cycle is going to be the most aggressive, competitive, and uh, just knock down drag out fight that we've seen anywhere for for at least my my lifetime, if not longer, here in yeah. North Carolina. So buckle up. <laughs> Listen, thanks for the insight and thanks for coming on and, and uh, giving us some some look into North Carolina. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Zag. You can catch all past episodes, all the places you find your podcasts, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, they're all there. Make sure to check them out. A lot of great episodes up recently with amazing progressives. Until then, and next time, we'll catch you soon.